listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. came expecting God to do great things in your life today. I really came expecting. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you today that you are so awesome. God, we thank you today that you are incredible. And God, we've come with such great expectancy today, just expecting you to move, just expecting you to do awesome things in our lives. And God, we pray, God, that whatever we need to do, that we would get our part in place, that, God, that we know that you will do your part. We love you. We praise you in the house. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Today we're going to be talking about expectancy, but the title is this, Bad God. Say with me, Bad God. Bad God. When I told Miss Nancy my title to this week and for the CDs and stuff, she goes, ooh, I don't know if I like that. But there's a reason why we are going to present it like that, because we know God's not a bad God. Anyone with me in the house? We know he's not a bad God. But there can be times when he appears to be a bad God to us. And I want to wonder, I wonder today, how many of you, is anyone getting anything from this series? Anyone kind of enjoying this series and just allowing it? Come on, it's good stuff. And you know why it's good stuff? Because it's God's stuff. It's from God's Word, and, and we're teaching you the truth of God's Word. And we just need to make sure and put into work every day in our lives the principles, the truths that we're learning through church and, and through the messages that we're hearing, because it works. Because if we don't put these things to place, we're going to live in the gap of frustration. How many have ever been frustrated? Come on now. How many have been frustrated this week that what you expected wasn't what you experienced? Anyone been there? How many have kind of thrown out some of the points that we've been preaching and teaching and saying, hold on a second, I'm not going to get frustrated at that because that's their dysfunction, not mine. Come on. How many have looked and says, well, you know what, I'm not going to be put in the mold of other people, so it's going to be okay. So it really works. But the problem we've discovered is this, when our expectation is greater than our experience, what we often do is lower our expectation. We cannot lower our expectation. Never can we lower the expectations that God has for our lives. So the first week we looked at what happens when, you know, what happens when I don't meet others' expectations, and we've all been there many times, okay? Or what, what others, really, the first week was what happens when others don't meet my expectations. Sorry, I got that backwards. What happens when others don't meet my expectations? And then last week, Kayla talked about what happens when I don't meet the expectations of others. Remember, breaking free from the control of what people want to do in our lives. In between that, on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about my frustrations. The reason why we can have frustrations, and it's not always about other people, 
but it's about my lack of performance, my lack of communication. It's problems that I have in my life. We've talked about the starting place. We've talked about some great things. But again today, we're going to talk about what do I do when God doesn't meet my expectations? What do I do when I find myself disappointed with God? What do I do when I find myself frustrated at God? What do I do when I think that God has really let me down, even to the point sometimes that I just feel betrayed? I just think that God sometimes is a bad God. Now, don't get all holy on me in the house, because I know every one of you at some time in your life have said that. If you haven't verbalized that, you've said it to yourself. You've thought it. And, and you've been a part of that where you said, my goodness me, God, if you're really supposed to love me, if you're really supposed to be there, then why is this going on? Why am I hurt and why am I in pain? Why didn't you answer? If you would have just done it like I wanted you to do, I wouldn't have had all these problems. Come on, anyone with me? We've got mad at God sometime in our life. Maybe you're even mad at God right now. Maybe you're mad at God Right now. Why? Because you expected him to do something. But what you experienced was not even close. And I'm telling you today, this message is going to preach. And you better fasten your seatbelts. Because we are in for a ride today. What do I do? I, I need to know what I need to do when God doesn't meet my expectations. I need to know what I need to do. Come on, have you ever prayed and God didn't answer that prayer? Come on, have you ever been in that place where you just thought God was going to come through and He didn't? Your marriage failed, your finances are screwed up. Just the list of things can go on and on. But here's what we're going to discover. Through this message, we're going to discover this. It's because He has a better plan. Come on. He has a different perspective. Come on, stay with me. He has a greater priority and it's for a divine purpose. Turn with me today to John chapter 11. We're going to look at the stories again of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. There are people for the series. We're going to start in verse 1 of John 11. If you've got your Bibles turned there, I hope you're taking notes today. You need this stuff. You need to be lined up for the CD after the service because I'm telling you, anytime I hear a message, I listen to a message about three or four times through. Maybe I'm a little bit slow, but that works best for me. When I'm listening to messages, I listen to them for about three or four times and every time I get something new, I get something I've missed. John 11 verse 1, now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, remember that Mary we talked about last week, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3, Therefore the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. And I love verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, who was Mary, and Lazarus. Let's stop there. Don't look ahead. Focus today. Don't spoil the story. What have we just read? We have just read that an expectation has been made. 
The Bible says that those who Jesus loved, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, they had a relationship with Jesus. Jesus loved them. They loved Jesus. An expectation. This wasn't just people Jesus didn't know. This wasn't people that didn't really know Jesus, just knew of him. These were people that hung out. Jesus went to the house. We discovered that the first week. He ate their food. He stayed there with them. So an expectation has been made. And they present the fact. That their brother is sick. So what do they do? They send for the one who they know would come and lay hands on their brother. That would heal him. That it would be a happily ever after. And let's move on. So obviously Jesus goes. Obviously Jesus heals Lazarus. And obviously everyone's happy. Well that's what they expected to happen. That's what they expected Jesus to do, but that definitely wasn't their experience. Let me say that again. That's what they expected him to run to the rescue, to be right there because there's a need, not of just anyone, but the guy you love, you know, the one that we're connected to. You need to come, Jesus, because there's a need. And if you don't come, we're going to be in dire straits. So they expected Jesus without hesitation to come. But Jesus didn't meet their expectation. And why was that? I'm going to show you four reasons why I believe he didn't meet that expectation. Point number one, because he has a better plan. Jesus has a better plan. Come on, say it with me, a better plan. That's a tough thing to say when you're going through the disappointments of feeling that God has let you down. Come on, let's just be honest in the house today. That's a tough thing to even get out of your mouth that you think that God's got a better plan because you think you had the best plan. You think you had it all figured out. You think that you knew, you had the mind of God. You knew exactly what needed to happen, but God didn't do it how you thought He should do it. But it's because He has a better plan. Man, I'm going to preach in the house. And I want to share with you today His better plan. Verse 6 tells us the better plan of Jesus. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, now hold on a second. There must be a typo there. Come on, surely not. Surely that couldn't be the plan of Jesus. But you've got to realize, and I have got to realize today, that he has a better plan. He has a better plan. Come on, we're just going to get down to it today. Can we just roll up our sleeves? Can we just get into it today? Can, just, can you preach to me too today? Come on, Miss Bobby, you're going to help me preach this message today. Come on, what do you do? What do I do when it looks like the plan I have goes completely against the plan that God has? What do I do when I think I've got it all figured out? But it's not even close to what he is choosing to do. 
I, I, I've just got to say this sometimes. I've got, I, I'm honest with Jesus sometimes. I'm real with Jesus. I, I've sometimes had to say this to Jesus. Jesus, are we talking about the same thing here? I mean, are you hearing what I'm saying? Am I speaking in a wrong language? I mean, are you not communicating? I mean, are, are we there? Because hold on a second. I've prayed and I've believed and I've fasted and I've done everything I need to do. And, and God, I just really feel this is what you need to do for me and all these things. But yet, Jesus, we must be speaking a different language because you're not showing up. You're not intervening. You're not stepping into miraculously like I know you could. Come on, it's almost as if Jesus has messed up. It's almost like he's messed up. Can I tell you today, there's importance in his plan. There's importance in his plan. Look at this quote. I want to give you a quote today. Our experience doesn't always line up with our expectation, even when it involves God. Well, I can, I, I, I can accept that many times if it's my experience because I can mess up and I can do things wrong. I can expect that with other people, come on, because they're human. But come on, we struggle here a little bit when our experience doesn't line up with our expectation when it's God, because God just needs to move. He's my genie in a bottle. I just need to rub and he comes. Come on, he's my spiritual ATM. Every time I go there, bam, he just, come on, come on, come on. That's where we are. That's where many of us are at. And when it doesn't happen, we get so frustrated and he's a bad guy. He's a bad God. He's let us down. You've got to realize today, and I've got to realize today, that it's okay that God's got a different plan than what you have. In the moment, you would probably say to that question, is it okay that God's got a different plan? In the moment, you'd probably say no. Come on, when your brother's sick, when, when you're going through a miscarriage, come on, when your marriage is on the rocks, when you need a miracle financially, come on, when you're about to lose your job, it's not okay when God's got a different plan to yours. Come on, let's just be real in the house today. It's not okay. We get upset, we get mad, we feel rejected, we feel hurt. And you know why that is? Because we see the immediate need. All we see is the right now. We see that God has to move right now. Mary and Martha saw what? Their brother's sick. If Jesus would come, because they know he will, guess what? Everything's going to be okay. But he not only doesn't come, he waits two more days before he leaves. And it takes him about another two days to get there. So by the time he gets there, he's really late. He just kind of emphasizes the point just a little bit. And why is that? Because God's plan doesn't just involve the immediate. God sees beyond what we see. Come on. He sees according to the future and the plans and the things that he has for us. He sees the other side. You know what I'm talking about? We don't see there's another side. We're in the middle of the ocean. We're in a boat. It's a storm. We think we're going down. We forget the fact Jesus said we're going to make it to the other side. But when we get to the other sides of those situations in our lives and we look back, I can't guarantee every one of us can always say this, God That was the best plan. Now during the storms and while we're going through it, all we see is the need and we've got the plan and we've got what God needs to do. It's hard for us to accept that. But on the other side, 
there's a common denominator that every one of us can come to, and that is this. God, your plan was the best. We may not always understand it fully, but we'll begin to live in the rewards of it. We'll begin to see it. We'll begin to trust Him. We don't understand it right now. It's tough right now. I don't always see it. You're not going to always see the plan of God, but that's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in. Come on. That's when you've got to start hanging on Scriptures like Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond, according to what? The power that works inside of us. A young mother saw her child die. She She placed him on a bed. She ran for the prophet. The question was asked, is it well? What did she say? It's well. Why? Because she didn't just look to the immediate. Come on, I'm preaching in the house. She saw beyond because it's well when it's God. Come on, when it's his plan, you can trust him. You may not see it, but you've got to trust him. 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 Let's lay down some masks today. Let's just stop the act in the house today. And here's the reason, or the worst part of our disappointments and frustrations is this. Because we know God could have done it. We know He is able. We know He could step in and He could have done a miracle right there. Come on. We know He could have come in and stopped that loved one of ours from passing away. Come on. We know He could have stepped in and where cancer was reported, He could have stepped in and taken that and they wouldn't have to die from that. Come on. We know what? That He could have spared our job so that we wouldn't lose our home. Come on. We can go on and on and on. We know God could do it. But yet it appears as though he's waiting two more days and he does nothing. That's the greatest frustration. That's not what I signed up for, God. You're a bad God. I I don't like that, God. That's not what I want. That's not what I want. Now, we can accept it a little bit more when someone can't do something. Come on. When someone promises something, but really within their power, they're limited and they can't do it. But it's tough, isn't it? When every week we come to church and we hear pastor from the pulpit tell us and show us from the scriptures that God is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above. That he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That he cares for you. That he loves you with an everlasting love. Come on, we know all the stuff we've been taught. But that's where the true disappointment comes. Because when he doesn't meet my expectations and he's not my genie in a bottle. Come on, I'm hurt. I'm rejected. I feel cheated, I'm forsaken, I'm abandoned. God, are you punishing my life? I want to encourage you today, he has a better plan. And it's a different plan to yours. Why? Because he has a different perspective. Point number two, God has a different perspective. Come on, he has a different perspective. Perspective really is how you see a circumstance, situation, really how you view life, how you look upon. Your perspective or your perception rather of things can be different to people around you. You can be looking at the same thing and you can have a different perspective. You can see things in a different way. So therefore we've got to realize we're not always going to see as God sees and he's not always going to see how we see. Why? Because he has a better plan and he has a different perspective. Let's read on with our story starting again at verse 6. 
So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Come on, say with me, a better plan. A better plan. And verse 7, then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews have sought to stone you and you are going to go there again? Please note, this was not the reason why Jesus didn't go. The reason he didn't go was because he wasn't because he was afraid that he was going to be stoned. That wasn't the reason he didn't go. I just want you to know that. Because if he would have been afraid of his life, he wouldn't have gone 10 days later, never mind 30 days, 20 days, whatever. He wouldn't have gone. That wasn't the reason he didn't go. The reason he didn't go was better plan and a what? A different perspective. Verse 9, Jesus answered and he said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, does not he stumble because he sees the light of this world? He does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is using the opportunity to give an object lesson. He's talking about the daylight, symbolizes having a knowledge of God. The darkness is when you live without knowledge of God. Isn't it amazing? Through every circumstance and situation, Jesus is setting up an opportunity for us to learn something. Everything he wants to teach us. He's trying to teach us along the way. He's trying to teach us things. You know, that's not what they wanted right now. There's a need. They they need Jesus to act. But Jesus says, come on, let's just have a time out and let's just have some class time teaches them about walking in the knowledge of God instead of stumbling in the absence of that knowledge. Verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go to wake him up. Here's the different perspective that's coming in play. Then his disciples said to him, Lord, if he sleeps, then he's just going to wake up and he's going to be well. What's the big fuss? What's the big deal if he's just sleeping? I mean, everyone has to sleep. And guess what? Everyone's going to wake up. Some may take a little bit longer than others, but he's going to wake up. He's going to be okay. Verse 13, however, Jesus spoke of his death. But the disciples thought that he was speaking about him taking a rest in sleep. And Jesus said plainly to them, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. Come on, I mean, he's gone. He ain't asleep. He is dead. And here's the different perspective, verse 15. But I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may what? Believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Jesus said, hey, I see what you're trying to do. And Jesus kind of sets it up like he's asleep. They think he's just taking a rest. Jesus says, no, he's really dead. But then Jesus sums it all up with this way. I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Because something is going to happen. You're going to believe me like you've never believed me before. I'm going to bring you to a place in me that you only thought exist or you never even understood and even knew existed. Come on, sometimes we've got to go through the disappointments for what reason? To realize they are his appointments. The disappointments of life so many times are the appointments. Come on, his delays are a better plan. They're his opportunities. What we'll see is in our natural is it's too late. You blew it, God. You didn't show up. But come on, it's an opportunity still for him to move. My perspective so many times can be wrong. Because I just see the natural. I see that which is around me. I see the fact that Jesus doesn't come when I ask. 
I see the fact that my brother's dead, my circumstances and situations that I need God to move on, they're just dead because there's been no life. Come on, I just see the no hope that's all around me. You see, that's what we see around us, but we need to change our perspective because instead of seeing what's around us, we need to start seeing what's inside of us. Come on, we've got to start seeing what's inside of us. And can I remind you of Ephesians 3 verse 20? There's that scripture again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond according to what? The power that works inside of us. You see, the perspective has to be off of everything around us and it has to be fully placed on God. Allowing His power to rule and reign inside of us. We look from a different direction to God. When Samuel was looking to anoint the next king, he looked at the one who was head and shoulders above everyone else. He looked at Eliab, the chosen. He looked at the one who surely this has got to be the one. Jesus, God says, no, that's not the one. He went down the line. Did you notice what I'm saying? He went down the line to the little kid at the end. But God says, I don't see as you see. Come on, God says, I don't see from the outside in. Come on, or from the outside in. That's right. God says, I see from what? The inside out. You see, how do we see? We see from the need. And then many times we don't even see beyond that if God doesn't move. We see the need and if there's no answer, there's no hope. But God sees the conclusion first. And then he presents the conclusion to the need. Come on, that's a statement right there. You need to Twitter that one. That's a good one right there. God sees the conclusion and then he presents that to the need. He sees what can be produced in us as the results of the trials and the frustrations. What did he say in verse 15 of John 11? I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. For what reason? That you may believe. What is it that Jesus sees that I don't see? Jesus sees what's truly needed in my life. Come on, say with me, what's needed? Come on, say it with me today, what's needed? Jesus sees exactly what is needed. He sees what we need to have inside of us. He sees what needs to be alive inside of us, living, what we need to possess inside of us. And oftentimes, we get that through the way of loss. Some of you missed that. Oftentimes he has to give us what we need by taking things from us that we think we need. That we think we have to have. And if I don't have this, I'm not going to make it. But God says, can you just trust me? I've got a better plan. Can you just realize I've got a different perspective? And I know what you have need of before you even ask. Come on. I want the stuff that he knows I have need of. So sometimes he has to strip aside and has to let some things die that I think I need. Come on. Sometimes he has to make a denial for the request in order for me to grow and realize that he needs to be everything in my life. He needs to be the power that drives my life. Not what Philip can do and what I can produce and what I can become, but I am nothing if God doesn't show up in my life. Losing something always costs frustration or brings frustration. We wouldn't be human really if that wasn't the case. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. Come on, we've all been there. Bad God, bad God, bad God. It's through those disappointments that we convince ourselves that he hasn't met our expectations. Because we only see the trial. We see the moment right now. And if God doesn't come through, 
If he doesn't intercede, if he doesn't turn things around, if he doesn't come to my rescue and help, we're not going to make it through anyway. So what's the point of thinking beyond there? Because if God doesn't come through right now, there is no beyond there. We see the problem. He sees through the solution. We've got to begin to see with a different perspective. Look what James writes in James 1 verse 2. I don't know if I could, I I don't know, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I don't know if I'm fully there yet that I could write something like this. Or or let me put it this way, I could write it, but I don't know if I'm fully there yet. Come on, a lot of us can say stuff, but we don't really mean what we say. Come on, we can write stuff, but it's not really true. I'm just being honest with you right now. I don't know if I could really write something like this and shout amen at the end and say praise be to God. I'm getting there and I want to be there, but come on, I'm, I'm, I'm still on a journey too. I'm still going through this with you. Come on, I'm not arrived. I don't stand up here ever saying I've arrived, but I'm arriving, amen? We're arriving in God. But look what James said. He says, brethren, count it all joy. Come on, when's the last time the, the bills came in through the mail and you didn't have the money to pay it, that your hands went in the air and said, praise you, Jesus, for the bills. Come on, it's bad God, bad God. What's the deal, God, if you would have got me that? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. But here's the clincher, isn't it, right here. The, verse wor- the first word in verse 3, knowing. Say that with me. Knowing what? Knowing that he's got a better plan. That we can know he's got a better plan. He's got a different perspective from what I see. Come on. That we can know that when I fall into those various trials and Jesus is late by two days and he doesn't do what I think he should do. I can know. I can trust completely that the testing of my faith produces, produces patience. I love verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you see that? That God's better plan and His perspective leaves you without what? You're lacking nothing. You've got everything. You are complete. What you thought was going to make you complete, God says, no, that's just going to make you unhappy. Come on, that's not the answer. That's not where it's at. But God's got a better plan. Come on, He's got a greater, He's got a different perspective. Verses like that are hard to rejoice about when you are looking at a dead brother. And Jesus could have come. But you see, James had to understand the different perspective of God before he could even write this. He had to see beyond the bad God. And he had to see the truth. And you know what the truth is? It's not over till God says it is. That's what he had to see. He couldn't write that unless he saw that. He couldn't write that unless he knew that. Come on, this isn't, I hope I can get there, James, right? And I believe when James wrote this, he's there because he sees with a different perspective. He's not believing everything that everyone else is going through. And and if Jesus doesn't show up, then he's left me and forsaken me. Come on, he's proven Jesus too much in his life. And he's always known that he has a better plan because he has a different perspective. He sees things different. And let me remind you again of verse 4 of John 11. Jesus says these words, This sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. Now, I just read the fact that he died. Jesus just said, he's not going to die. Come on, it's not unto death. Come on, do you see that? 
But you see, my perspective so many times can look and say, well, Jesus, hold on a second, you're lying, it's not truth. But you see, that's just where we're at right now, but Jesus hasn't finished yet. Come on, say, he hasn't finished yet. He's got a better plan. He's got a different perspective. He works from the end to the beginning, not the beginning to the end. Sometimes I feel like God's dyslexic, but that's okay. Guess what? He's God. He can do whatever he needs to do. Come on. I've just got to let God be God in my life. Come on. The problem is when I try to be God and I try to think what I need to do, and God sometimes has to let those things die so I can see a different way. Isaiah 55 verse 8, God says these words, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. Guess why? Because as the heavens are higher than the earth, guess what? So my ways are what? They're higher than your ways. That means they're better, they're greater. Come on, that they're going to produce more. Come on, I wish someone would help me preach in the house today. That they are higher, they are greater, they're going to produce more in your life. And my thoughts are greater than what you could even imagine inside of your life. He has a better plan because he has a different perspective. Why? Because... Number three, he has a greater priority. He has a greater priority. We're going to read on today. Is this okay? Are you with me today? I can just close it down and we can just go home. Are you with me today? Come on, let's take this to a close. John 11, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for how many days? Very symbolic right there. Haven't got time to go into it, but Jewish customs believed that after a person died, their spirit would stay beside their body or connected to their body for three days. So what you would see many times is people would be raised back to life, but it wasn't that their spirit really left their body. Jesus was saying on the first day he's dead, on the second day he's dead, on the third day he's dead, but on the fourth day he's dead, 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 dead. Come on, there's no hope of him coming back in the natural. Come on, do you see that? Jesus is setting up a great expectation that we think is a letdown from our experience. Come on, because we're not experiencing it, but God's setting up a greater expectation. So what's the truth? Lazarus is really dead. Come on, say that with me, he's dead. He's dead. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's kicked the bucket, it's over, he's snuffed it. Come on, he's, he's, he's under. He's under. Verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort him, and they, they, them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. Of course she did. We know about Martha that she was the vocal one. She was the one that had something to say. Come on, she wasn't the one sitting at his feet. She was the one complaining because others weren't meeting her expectations. Come on, of what was going on. So she ran out and met him. But where was Mary? She was sitting at the house. Where where do you think Mary was sitting at the house? I think she was sitting beside the chair that Jesus sat on. Come on, when Jesus sat and came to their house and he was teaching them, I think Mary was sitting beside that chair and I believe she was probably laying on that chair crying and saying, you've let me down, Jesus. You're not the same Jesus that I remembered. I thought you were going to come. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. But what's Martha doing? Martha's coming out, I believe, with her hands on her hips and she's not happy about it. Come on, she's not happy about it. And Martha says to Jesus, here's what Martha wanted to say to Jesus. She said, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come, but instead you crushed our expectations? That's really what she said. What did she say? Lord, if you had been here, if you would have come, my brother would not have 
died. See the confidence she has in who Jesus is, but the letdown because he doesn't show up and meet the expectation that she had. She knows he could do it, but he didn't do it. So she's upset with him. But here it is again, her plan. If you would have come here when we first asked, this could have been avoided. Listen to this statement. It's amazing how many times we hang our expectations on what didn't happen. Well, if my parents would not have got divorced, then I wouldn't be in the state I was today. Come on. It's amazing how we hang our expectations on what didn't happen in our lives. Come on. If this would have turned around, if that would have turned around, if you would have stopped this from happening, then it's amazing. But we want to see a trap here that Satan wants us to live in. Satan wants to live us to live in the past, the old expectations. He wants to hang our lives on the things that don't happen and didn't happen and the disappointments and hurts of the past. And we're not going there. Come on. We're not going there. We We can't live there. That's a dead-end street. We're not going to find the answers there. We've got to look on. We've got to keep trusting in his better plan. We've got to see his different perspective and realize there's a greater priority. But what does she say in verse 2? But even now, 22 rather. Verse 22, but even now. You see, you've got to move past your disappointments. That he didn't show up, that he didn't do, that your brother's dead. You've got to move past that and what? You've got to begin to see to the future. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. He's going to rise again in the resurrection. At the last day, Jesus had taught them these things. They knew that he was going to rise again. But one day... And I really wish I had more time today because I love this. Martha's gone from one extreme to the other. She's left the past that she realizes she can't change, but she's now going into the future that she cannot obtain right now. Do you see this? She can't change the past, but you can't obtain the future yet because you're not there. And what are you in? You're in the gap of frustration, which is somewhere between your past and your future. But what does she do in the gap of frustration? She says, even now. Come on, even now. Come on, we need some even nows in the midst of our frustrations. Come on, we need some even nows. I can't change the past. I can't change the fact my wife left. I can't change the fact that I went through a divorce. I can't change the fact I was molested and abused. Come on, I can't change the fact that I lost a baby. I can't change the fact that I was bankrupt. I can't change the fact that I was ridiculed and laughed at and spat on and despised and hurt. I can't change the past. Oh, I want the future, but I'm not there yet. So what have I got? to do. I've got to start crying out to a God and say, but even now, God, I'm laying those things behind me. I'm pressing on towards the mark. Yes, there can be moments of frustration, but even now, right now, God, I know that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. Jesus looks a square in the eyes and he says to her in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection. Come on, you need to hear this today. Jesus is your resurrection. Jesus is your life. He's not in the disappointing business. He's in the appointed business. It's a different plan. For what reason? It's a different perspective. But it's better. It's greater. Man, I'm getting excited in the house. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. He shall live. And whoever believes... Or whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. 
What does he say to her? Do you believe this? You've got to see something here. He doesn't say, do you believe that? Jesus says, do you believe this? Come on, you've got to feel this today. He's not talking about a resurrection one day, that that's going to happen one day. We know that's going to happen. But Jesus is saying, can you believe this? Can you believe that right now, that I'm right here, that there's a different, what? A greater plan. It's a better plan. There's a different perspective. For what reason? It's a greater priority. Listen to this. If God always meets my expectations, He would never teach me His greater priority. He would never, I would never learn His greater priority. And you know what that is? You know what the priority that God's trying to produce inside of my life? You know what His goal is for my life? Here's what the goal of God is. The priority of God is this. That no matter what, no matter the circumstances and the situations, no matter what I've gone through, no matter how many times I think God's let me down and He didn't show up on time, come on, I'm still going to be in church with my hands up high. I'm still going to be saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I praise you. I don't understand it all, but God, you're still worthy of the praise. Come on. What is that? That no matter what, I'm still going to trust him and place my hope and future in him. Oh, the disappointments are real, pastor. You better believe it. He could have. Yes, he could have. But he didn't do it as you planned. Why? Because he has a better plan. Because it's a different perspective to what produce a greater priority in my life. Come on, when Jesus is saying I'm the resurrection and the life and he's saying all that stuff, he's saying I can do all that. Come on, I can heal. I could have been there and healed him. Come on, I can deliver people. I can set people free. Come on, I can produce your miracle. I can do it whenever you want it and whenever you think you need it. But guess what? God says this. I need someone who will still love me through the disappointments. I need someone who's going to still hold on through the disappointments. I'm almost done. Stay with me. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Come on, we love that. Come on, we love that part. Come on, when he comes through for us, the power of his resurrection, there's life, there's truth, there's hope, there's blessing. He answers and woohoo, it's great. Life's great. Life couldn't be better. Paul says, I love it when all is fine and well. And God, I know you in that way. But unfortunately today in church, we have too many fair weather Christians. We just love him for what he does and we've forgotten about who he is. Come on, we love him for what he gives us, but we've forgotten really who he is. That's his great priority. He wants us to get back to the place that if he doesn't do anything else for us, we're still going to love him. What did Job say? Though he slay me, guess what? Yet will I still trust him. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But what did he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. It was a different plan because it was a better one. It was a different perspective because it wasn't as he thought it should be. But it was because God was working a greater priority. But what does Paul go on to say? Go back if you could to that scripture. What does he say? He says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And guess what? And be a partaker 
be in fellowship with the suffering, even that of his death. The pain, the anguish. So what does that mean? Paul says, I know him when it's good, and I've got to know him when he's bad. But you know what? He's good all of the time. Even though the circumstances can be good and bad, God stays the same. He's constantly good. He's always the same. But God, I've got to trust Him. So here's God's great priority. Are you ready? We'll go to it now, Tammy. His great priority is to show you this. He's not a bad God. But He wants to show you what He is capable of doing. And I'm telling you right now, he is capable of doing more than you even realized. You see, if we can trust him through the trials, we'll have a greater faith that we've never had before. That we'll see him in a greater way. Come on, if you want to know someone who's really walked with God, it's someone who's come through some storms and their hands are still in the air. Because they've proven God. They've realized the better plan. They've realized it's a different perspective, but there's a greater priority. Come on, he wants to do more than you realized. Exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. I've got to shut up today. Point number four. His divine purpose. His divine purpose. His divine purpose. If you don't get anything today, then you need to take this down today. Look at this statement. Sometimes he has to disappoint us in our expectations. So he can exceed them. You see, if Jesus would have just showed up and healed Lazarus, he's already done that before. He's already touched people and they've been healed. The lepers have come around. He's already touched. You know what? That wouldn't even have made the headline newspapers. Come on. It was just another thing. It was just another opportunity. Yes, it was great. Don't get me wrong. But no one would have maybe even known. But let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. Why? Because he wants to exceed them. Can you see the front pages of the newspapers that day? Man who was dead four days and he was really dead. Jesus brought back to life. That's the end of the story, by the way. Jesus commands him to come forth and he comes forth. Come on. He's alive. He's well. That's his divine purpose. And how does his purpose come? By way of his better plan which you and I don't always agree and we don't always see. Why? Because we've got to have a different perspective. We can't look at the disappointments as letdowns. We've got to look at them as opportunities for an appointments for God to come, which is going to bring about his greater priority that is no matter what, I'm going to trust him and live for him. So what? I can live in his defined purpose. What is his purpose? Exceedingly abundantly, above and beyond. That's pretty powerful today. That's pretty powerful stuff today. So how did we begin this message today? We began by asking this question, what do I do when God does not meet my expectations? And here's the answer. What do we do when God doesn't meet our expectations? We trust his better plan. We look with a different perspective, realizing there's a greater priority that there's going to be a divine purpose. So what do we do? We don't allow God to meet our expectations. We allow God to exceed them. We allow God to do more. I don't want to put God in a box. I want to release God. And I want to believe. And I want to trust Him. Come on, His no's are not, it's over. 
Until he says it's over, you've got to trust him and you've got to believe. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just put your hands in the air and just begin to thank him right now. Come on, just begin to thank him. I know you're going through some storms right now. I know for some of you, he's a... We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.